Hi everyone, welcome to week four. Hope everything is going well for you. Hope you settled in well to the uni and you're making progress with the essay plan. Today I want to talk about social structure, which is a little difficult to describe because it's somewhat ironic that even though this concept is pivotal in sociology, unfortunately there's huge imprecision about its meaning. And many different theorists historically have defined social structure in a wide variety of ways. So it's one of these really frustrating concepts to get your head around. But in its most general sense, basically refers to a set of social relationships or social institutions which provide individuals with a sense of coherence and stability in their everyday lives. And social structures are really important because they allow for regular social behaviours which are ordered in the sense that one, they are persistent over time and also because two, they shape the behaviour of, of a significant number of people in society. So social structures pre-exist individuals in historical time. What I mean by this is that people are thrown into social structures. They pre-exist any one individual. They're created over a long period of time. And also, social structures can't be altered by any one individual alone. And these two factors mean that social structures actually have really significant power over our lives. And social structures can be therefore understood as what Durkheim uh, labelled a social fact, which he argued is a reality which is independent of individuals which shape the way that they behave in society and the way that they understand themselves and the way they treat and understand others. And so this means that when we're trying to understand the way people behave in society, we cannot just assume that they make decisions in a fully rational and independent way, divorced from any kind of social influence. People are always affected by social structure because social structures contribute to their socialization in society. And really importantly, social structures in particular can often pu uh, punish or sanction individuals if they violate societal values, norms, or dominant uh, societal beliefs. Now, having said all that, there have been two really broad perspectives on social structure. So the first perspective really emphasizes the importance of cultural norms, values and beliefs and the regulation of our everyday lives. And we can see this idea manifested both in the functionist and in the conflict theory schools. So functionists broadly emphasize the importance of norms, values and beliefs as part of the key dimension or defining feature of social structure. And why do they think this? Well, they believe that norms, values, and beliefs are really pivotal in shaping individuals' behavior. And people learn these norms, values, and beliefs through different agents of socialization society throughout a person's life. And the functionists argue that without a strong consensus on cultural values, beliefs, and norms, social cooperation, social stability, social order would be virtually impossible, and social life would lack predictability. The other thing that functionists tend to emphasize about the idea of social structure as constituting a body of different norms, different values, different beliefs, is that our social roles are really pivotal to the maintenance of a society structure. So 
a functionist, for example, would point out, you know, historical patterns in gender roles between men and women, and they'd argue that historically that the, the differing functions into which men and women are socialized play a role in maintaining social order, social stability over time. So, you know, the sexist division of labor between you know, men going out to work, for example, and women staying at home doing the domestic and care work. So that's the functionist take on the idea of social structure with respect to norms, values, and beliefs. Conflict theorists, though, they tend to argue that society is not based on a consensus regarding moral norms and values. Rather, the social structure is profoundly divided on the basis of people's different levels of wealth, prestige, and power in society. And in fact, Marx argues that societal values, norms, and beliefs can be an important means of coercion in society because of the power of ideology to shape our thoughts. An ideology for Marx is a system of ideas which serves to justify, legitimate, and rationalize the unjust status quo in capitalism, that is, the exploitation of the working classes by the capitalist class. So, for instance, conflict theorists have argued, conflict theorists rather, sorry, have argued that the ideology of the American dream is really important to the maintenance of an unjust social structure because it creates the myth that social mobility is easy, whereas in fact, in reality, they would argue, it's actually really difficult to achieve due to various inequalities and patterns of discrimination in society. The other point that Marx makes about social structure is that he argues that people's social behavior is partly shaped by their position in the social structure, in the social hierarchy. So Marx emphasizes that people's political perspectives are deeply inf influenced by their class position. So Marx maintains, for instance, that a communist revolution would inevitably occur once the working class developed a stronger sense of consciousness that they're being exploited by the capitalist system, while members of the minority capitalist class would inevitably promote perspectives which maintain that the system is just, natural, and inevitable. So that's quite an important point of distinction with regards to how the idea of social structure um, as a collection of values, norms, and beliefs is understood in sociology. The conflict theorists argue that social structure is a means of coercion, a means of maintaining the status quo. The functionists argue that actually, you know, collective norms, values, and beliefs are very important. They actually offer a lot of significant social benefits in society because they orientate society towards stability and order, particularly in circumstances where society is undergoing rapid change. So that's the first take on social structure. The second take on social structure doesn't emphasize the importance of, uh, of collective values, norms, beliefs, but rather the importance of institutional factors in shaping social structure. And institutions are really important to social structure because they can mobilize significant amounts of power to enforce regularities in people's social behavior. So, for instance, government, as a manifestation of social structure, ensures social order through the legal framework which punishes individuals who violate a society's laws. So, for example, sending people to jail who commit crimes, murder, for example. In addition, institutions are also really important because they tend to establish fixed routines which shape everyone's everyday um, activities. 
So for, exa for, for example, think of a office worker whose behavior is regulated by the requirements of their employment contracts and the norms, the policies and the internal procedures of their workplace. So ultimately, institutions are really important in shaping our behavior because they offer access to key opportunities or they can actually restrict our access to opportunities in society. So for instance, think of the conflict theorist point of how inequalities deeply shape our access to key social benefits like education or healthcare. So the institutionalist approach towards, towards social structure really emphasizes that external forces can deeply shape our lives, placing constraints or limitations on our behavior, but they can also provide a framework so that we can achieve our social goals. Institutions not only limit our behavior, but they actually enable it. They, may, they allow us to do certain things. So the other last kind of point I want to reflect on is that you know, this whole focus on social structure has been quite controversial in sociology because it actually raises really deep philosophical questions about freedom. You know, how free are we to make our own independent, autonomous, rational decisions? Or are all of our decisions really deeply shaped by broader social forces? Um, modern day sociologists would tend to argue that we are neither passive dupes of social structure, that is to say, individuals working collectively can actually change the social structure in which they live. But it's also not to say that people have unlimited freedom. Okay, so for instance, to give you an illustration of this, you know, political protest movements can challenge oppressive laws, oppressive social values, norms, and beliefs, and thereby they can transform the social structure of society. But political protest movements are actually limited in some ways by the social structure in which they live as well. So governments can actually undertake a whole range of oppressive measures to prevent uh, political protest movements from gaining traction, from gaining uh, greater support in society. So, you know, that, that illustration is a good one, I think. It kind of demonstrates that we are neither completely free agents, but we are neither... Uh, passive dupes of society as a whole. So um, I think that is pretty much all I wanted to say about the idea of social structure. Um, if you're confused about anything, you know, don't hesitate to whack me an email. And as always, if you have any feedback about the podcast, you know, please let me know. Thanks a lot for listening.